Welcome to worship. We're glad you're here with us this day. It's good to be back, and we're looking forward to sharing all about our trip. If you have your bulletins, please pull them out, and we'll go over a few announcements as we get started. On the back is a tear-off portion. If you are a guest, please fill out the blue side. Put in the offering plate as it goes by, and we'll love to follow up with you more about uh, Mechanicsville Baptist. On the other side, the yellow side is a place at the bottom for prayer requests. Put any prayer requests you'd like to share on there, and we'll pray for you on Tuesdays. On the back are opportunities for the week, so if you could turn with me there. Most important, I believe, is tonight, 5 o'clock, is our share service for our Dominican Republic mission team. We uh, certainly couldn't contain all that God did in a short time on Sunday morning, so we have a special service where God is going to allow each of our team members to share different ways that God moved, and we're going to tell you all about our trip. So if you have been praying for us, thank you. And if you did take one of your cards, I think it was two weeks ago we pulled a card out and you're praying for that person, we would ask you to come in and bring that card with you. We're going to have a special time where we're going to reveal that you were praying for that particular person. So bring your cards with you, come on out, and it's going to be a good time. So right here in the sanctuary, 5 o'clock tonight. Um, Tuesday is the deadline for the reservations for WMU Spiritual Enrichment Retreat Dinner. Call Gene in the office for that. And then Wednesday's deadline for the Missions Leadership Workshop. Call Sandra, and her phone number is in there as well. Wednesday, also, we have our 5.30 potluck dinner and the quarterly business meeting at 6.15. There's a VBS planning meeting afterwards because next Sunday is VBS here, so we're very excited about that. Uh, Thursday's fellowship breakfast at Cold Harbor, correct? Cold Harbor, yes. And then Saturday at 10 o'clock is the mission leadership workshop. So in your bulletins is also an insert about the uh, NBC vision team, the long-range planning team. We'd ask you to read through that and familiarize yourself with that before our business meeting on Wednesday as God's doing great things through that group. Any announcements I forgot about there, Tim? All right. So anyway, welcome to worship, and we're glad you're here. Looking forward to a great day as we worship together our Lord and God. Good morning. Before we get started in our worship service, I'd like you to pull out your bulletin inserts, please. And you will see hymn medley one that begins with, Our God is an awesome God. Does everybody see that? And then you will see hymn medley two that begins with Jesus saves. We have heard the joyful sound. Do you see that? So today when we stand to do our hymns, we are going to use this insert sheet and not the hymn book. And before we begin that, I'd like to welcome with us today, we have, of course, my good friend Brenda Brown, who I just won't leave her alone. She just wishes, I, I think sometimes she just doesn't even want to answer the phone when I call her, but she still answers. And then my good friends, um, Skip Martin and Eileen Martin, who some of you know already, uh, they are the parents of Ashley Martin, who's right here, and Skip's parents are here today with us. Um, good friends, one of the cool things about what I have been able to do since I retired from teaching is I've been able to help out at different churches as the accompanist, and when I was at New Hanover Presbyterian for six or seven years. These delightful folks were there, and we played a lot of things together. So they are joining us today. And when I practiced with Eileen, she said, do you do an early service too? And I said, yeah. And she said, oh, can I come? 
And I go, sure, but I wasn't going to dare ask her to get up that early. So they have been with us through both services. So if you have a chance, please welcome them. They're great friends and great colleagues and great musicians. All right, so you got all of that. You got your inserts handy because you know what we have to do first, right? What do we have to do first? We got to greet and meet. So we will be playing Father, I Adore You. We will sing that all the way through. If you need your hymnal, it's 566. Father, I Adore You. Jesus, I adore you, and spirit, I adore you. Okay, get up, shake a hand, especially a visitor's hand. Ready? Father, we are thankful, people, to be gathered together this day in this place as we have opportunity to glorify your name and to respond to all the good that you are and all the good that you do. God, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your grace and for your mercy. We thank you for the opportunity we have to um, share in your word and your truth, to sing praises to your name. And so, God, we give you this service. We pray that you be glorified in all of it, that uh, you would uh, work in our hearts, make us sensitive to your spirit, and that all we do would bring you honor. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, everybody got your inserts? Starts with, our God is an awesome God. And the last one in this first set is, um, how great thou art. Everybody ready? Okay, stand up. Let's Give our voices to God. <coughs> Psalm 150 says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. As we sing, lift your voices up in worship of our God. Make sure you're smiling while you sing. How blessed we are to have God. Oh, 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 oh,
you to turn to Philippians chapter 1. And for our mission team sharing time, it's just going to be me for this time, and then we definitely would invite you back this evening as we have the rest of our team share all that God has done. And uh, you will be blessed. I am beyond confident of that. We thank you for all of your support. We thank you for all of your prayers, and know that Uh, He worked in great ways. Philippians 1, verses 3 through 6. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. As we'd been preparing for this trip for five months to go to the Dominican Republic, to Santo Domingo, um, I was excited and expecting God to do great things as he always does. I've never been on a mission trip 
that God didn't do great things. I think it's one of the, the kingdom principles, whether things fall apart, whether things go amazingly well, God does wonderful, wonderful works on a mission trip. As we were going, uh, we had the theme of your kingdom come uh, presented before us and that we were going to see the, the great things that God can do through the small of what we can bring. And as we bring Christ the small gets transformed into uh, amazingly wonderful things. And as we came to our home church that we worked with, the name of the church is Iglesia Bautista Esperanza Viva, Baptist Church uh, of Hope of Life, Living Hope. And this is a church that, I'll give you a quick history lesson, it's a church that I've worked with many, many times. And uh, I think I went back the first time in 2007. In 2007, I was working up in Santiago, which is a couple hours north of Santo Domingo. And the missionary, Marsha Davidson from the IMB, said, I want you to go down and meet the pastor of this church in Santo Domingo. And I was like, I'm happy here. Why do we need to go down there? She's like, I just want want you to see if maybe your team would work with them. So I believe this was 2007 or so. We went down, and I met the, the pastor in the church and some of the church members for the first time. And... I did not feel God wanted us to work with them. I didn't feel they wanted us to work with them. I got back into the car, and I was like, well, that was a nice thing, Marsha, but we'll, we'll keep doing what we've been doing. They just don't seem like they, they need us or want us. And she's like, Dwight, they need your team. I said, okay, we'll go. And so I've been going back many, many times since. That first trip we went... Uh, God overwhelmed us, and, and the, 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 the church's response was, we were struggling, we were hurting, we were desperate, we couldn't pay our pastor, we couldn't pay our rent, we couldn't, you know, it's a very poor area, there was, no, there was no money, and you've given us hope to carry on, just a little glimpse of hope, and so it gave great encouragement. And then over the course of many years, the church really grew. They grew in their faith. They grew in their ministry. They grew in their outreach. We got to a point in time where we raised money to buy them their own land so they wouldn't have to pay rent anymore. And as often happens, I felt they were good. I thought they were doing wonderful. And about 2012 or so, um, part of my decision not to go back is because, boy, they're stronger in their faith than these American groups were taking they encourage us more than we encourage them, they're fine. That's, that's how I felt. And then we come this year, and God appointed this team to be there at this time for so many reasons. Over and over, they said, Dwight, you don't know how hard it's been the last five years since you were here last. You don't know how many struggles that our church has been through. Uh, things from they were going to build their building on the land that we had purchased for them. The wall behind them collapsed on their building. And in order to continue on, they had to rebuild the wall. And so that took all of their money that they had left for that. So they weren't able to build their building. And then they had a, they had a mission team come in and build a, a, a wooden structure on the property, which is wonderful. Um, and all kinds of other hardships happened. They lost their pastor. They lost a lot of their focus and their direction and a lot of hurt. And they just kept saying over and over, you don't know how hard it's been. 
since you've been there. And, and so it was a hard trip for me because they didn't share that with me while I was here. They never shared their struggles and they never shared some of their hardships. And so I, in my head, I was like, they're doing wonderful. And they're like us. They struggle just like we struggle. They have their ups and downs just like we have our ups and downs. And so God ordained this plan to, to bring this group back. And what happened was they now have a new pastor, Pastor Ruben Diaz, who, talking with all of my old friends who were able to stop by, he's the man of God for this church. You can imagine a small little church that loses their pastor they don't have other pastors who just step in and be interims. So the church members were trying to do it, and they struggled, and they lost people, and there was all kinds of disappointment. And then, then God brought Reuben to this church in January. So it's a very, very new pastor for this congregation, and he is such a blessing. He didn't know necessarily about all of my past trips or how our team works or what we could do. He was just excited we were going to be there. And then what God did in those eight days was beyond words. It reminded me of faithfulness in missions. When you build a relationship with somebody on the mission field, you're family. And it's wrong to just say, I'm going to go somewhere else, I'm going to do something else, because it's exciting and cool. We had built a relationship with them, and I think when, when these American teams that I had sent weren't there, just a little piece of their hope was taken from them. And then with all the discouragement around them, I think they wondered. And then God brought this new pastor in. He brought this new energy. And then he brings this team. And in the midst of that, this church was reminded who they are. Milton, who's one of the members of the church, said, said we were so excited because it was Dwight's team. Not because it was Dwight, but because we remembered it was like a rocket after you left what God did. It was like a rocket took off, and all of this wonderful thing happened, and we've lost our way. And we got our new pastor. Your teams are coming again, and getting to know the pastor, getting to see how strong they are to continue what God has started brings this passage to life. We're thankful in all our remembrances. We pray with joy because of participation from the first day until now. We're confident that God who began this is going to complete it, not us. So no matter the ups and downs, God has started a great work, and God is going to finish it. And your prayers resonated as we were there. We knew you were with us. We knew his spirit had guided us to this place. And so we did what, what we do on these trips. We share Jesus. We go to neighborhoods that need Jesus, and we share Jesus. We encourage the faithful believers that are there that they're not alone, that we have support for them. We worked in four areas, one called Los Humildes, a very poor area. We painted a church in there and did Bible school. We went to a place called Los Monjas, which is an area where we did a lot of sports outreach and reached some uh, people in whom uh, many of the church members live alongside. We did ministry in a place called Progresso. We went door to door sharing the love of Jesus. Um, and then we ministered in this main church location. Every step 
of the way we were alongside the Dominicans. This was not an American group that just comes down and works for a particular time. We were amongst them. They were with us from morning until late at night. And it's a blessing because uh, we got to spend pretty much every moment with them, ministering alongside them in that partnership. And my confidence in our God grew for what he is able to do. Their confidence in God grew. And we were certainly not prepared for all of that. We tried to be as prepared as we could, but we were not prepared for that. We didn't know exactly where God was with this group. And then after about seven or eight days, the pastor was in tears many, many times. This is always hard because I always tell him, no crying, no crying on the mission trip. He was in tears all the time. And one day towards the end of the trip, he's like, Dwight, your team has accomplished so much, so much in eight days, we need you to be here six more months. And of course, my team was like, yes, we'll stay six more months. But it broke my heart because the need is so great. The, 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 the strong, bold, courageous Christians they have are so few. But the need is so great that we wish we could stay. And the good news is we're a partner in this. There's a partnership. There's a participation in the gospel that we have in Mechanicsville to this little church in Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic, that even though we're not there in person, the work in which God has started, we're confident is going to continue on. There's going to be roadblocks. There's going to be obstacles. There's going to be hindrances, but God is going to continue. Saturday, which was yesterday, we were not there. They decided to do one of their outreaches in all of the locations we worked in to celebrate and to show us that what has started is going to continue. They're not going to give up. They're not going to back away from what God has started. I think they have a renewed hope of reaching out to a community in the name of Jesus. Isn't it interesting that uh, a little church in the Dominican Republic can lose their way? A lot of times we in America, our churches can lose our way. But we have a God who picks up all those pieces and renews our hope in whatever context we're in. And I, uh, at the end of the trip when he said six more months, another time he was just in tears. His family was all crying. His daughters were crying. They didn't want you guys to leave. And he was crying. And he said, the only thing that keeps us together. We know you're going to come back. We know you're not going to leave us again. It's convicting. It's convicting because this is not just a good work that we're doing. We are family. And it's wrong to leave your family. God has blessed us through this trip. And uh, I know that he's done this for a reason. So many reasons. So tonight at 5 o'clock, I trust you'll be here, and I trust you'll hear all kinds of stories about this wonderful opportunity that was made possible because of this church and because God being so good. Amen? Let me pray. Father God, 
we thank you for <clears throat> the privilege it is to follow you, to go where you lead us, and to be willing to do whatever you ask. And God, so this day we lift up Iglesia Bautista Esperanza Viva. We lift up Pastor Ruben and those Dominican church members who have encouraged us so greatly and we trust have been encouraged. We lift them up today as they gather in their church, as they reach out to their community to again be who you've called them to be. We know that you're going to continue what you started because you're God and you're in control. And God, so we're thankful people here that we had this privilege, we had this opportunity. And so from this point on, we pray you would not let us forget that in every remembrance we would remember in joy and that we would remember to pray. So God, we give you praise this day and we look forward to what you're going to do tonight as we share. In Jesus' name, amen. Spread the tidings all around. The words is part of our next hymn, We Have Heard the Joyful Sound. Psalm 1051, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done. Praise God for our mission team who has started our journey to make his name known among the nations. As we sing this next set, um, we have heard the joyful sound, send the light, there's a call come ringing or the restless waves. Please stand and join in as we praise God and encourage maybe your heart to be missions here in Mechanicsville. Please stand.
Good morning. First, everybody here ought to be thanking God and praising God for what he did with our mission trip, with our mission team. Not just that he blessed them with a safe journey there and back, but for the impact that they made in people's lives. I read an article once that said, if we would just remove ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit to move inside of us, we could change things that the world had never seen before. What this mission trip has done for these people and the people there is a tribute to what can happen when we surrender ourselves to God. So as we give, our, uh, give it a go into prayer, I want you to think back in your life of how good has God been to you and what you can do uh, to improve and to yourself and to lift up the name of Christ as we leave here today. Father God, we come to you thanking you for the opportunity you've given to us, O oh Lord. Thank you, Father, for allowing us to rise up once again on such a holy day. We thank you, Lord, for those who have assembled themselves here today, O oh Father. Just a few of your believers, O oh God, who have come to worship your name. We come this morning, Lord, not just to offer our tithes and offerings, but to surrender ourselves to you. We thank you, Lord, for the things that you have done, the blessings you have done, for what you are about to do and what you are going to do for us, O oh Lord. We offer, O oh Lord, the things, that, the finances that we have, but more so we offer our souls and our spirits to you. We ask, O oh Lord, that you bless the giver and the gift, and that the things that we bring forth to you today be used to upbuild your kingdom and to edify your house. In Jesus' name, amen. you up to date on a couple of prayer concerns. One, Jay Thompson has gone home and is recuperating at home, but continue to remember
And also, um, Ruth uh, Stewart, Ruth is still in the hospital, but we'll transfer, according to Cindy, to Autumn Care later this week. Uh, she has made tremendous improvement. Uh, they were able to do um, the heart catheterization on Wednesday. And on Thursday, after that, I went in to see her, and she was sitting in the chair with her glasses on reading. So she's doing much better, much, much better. So our prayers certainly are being answered on her behalf. And then uh, Leo Seal, who usually sits in the back on the right, uh, he is in the hospital at St. Mary's Hospital. They found uh, a brain tumor, and he will have a um, biopsy tomorrow morning early. So keep him and Dot in your prayers as they go through this time to determine what's going on. Uh, and um, I saw him on Thursday, and he was in good spirits, um, but uh, they're still trying to work through the problem. So we certainly want to pray for him. So let's bow for prayer. Oh, Lord, as we come before you again on this day that you have given to us, we rejoice in knowing, Father, that you have called us to serve, that we all are missionaries because we are all called of the Spirit, even our, in our local communities. We're grateful, Father, for those who left from our midst and went to another place, a place in need of the gospel, and they were able to minister because they were called. We pray for the church that they were a part of the eight days that they were there. We pray, Father, for their ministry today and in the future. And we're grateful as a church family at Mechanicsville Baptist that we had a part in their ministry. We're grateful, Father, that as we pray, we can feel the power and presence of your prayers in the life of Ruth Stewart. We're grateful that she is doing better. We pray for continued improvement and strength. We're thankful that Jay is at home. We pray that you will continue to bring healing to his body. And for Leo Seal, Father, we pray as he goes through the surgical procedure tomorrow that you will be with him and that you will provide for him assurance and comfort. Bring healing to his body. We're grateful, Father, that as we pray, we can pray on behalf of one another, knowing that we all have concerns and needs. And so we give them to you. And pray, Father, that you would work in our lives. Allow us to listen for a word from you as we seek to serve you in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Thank you. Like Linda had told you they were in the first service this morning and uh, continued on in the second service. They actually sang the same songs we sang in the first uh, service here today in the second service. Our scripture this morning, keeping with the theme of mission, uh, is Acts chapter 9, verses 15 and 16, and then chapter 13, 1 through 3, and verses 46 and 47. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And then chapter 13. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manon, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And then verses 46 and 47. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. But since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. From our vantage point, the pattern of missionary progress is easily observed. We are prone to forget the hopeless situation faced by the early church. Today's world reveals the marks of missionary endeavor. Christianity spread to and flourished in the West from whence came great explorers and colonizers. The great scientific advancements that the West enjoys came about because of the Christian view of the universe. The Bible freed people from a pantheistic view of the universe and admonished them as the scripture teaches us to have dominion over it. The gospel set aside the platonic concept of the divinity of the mind by which a person could supposedly, by meditation, discover the secrets of the universe. It encouraged scientific experimentation by refuting the Gnostic view of matter as being inherently evil. Anywhere on this earth where there is human dignity, where life is important, where womanhood is honored and home life respected, these conditions have been brought by the preaching of the gospel. The march of Christianity has not always been vigorous. The phenomenal growth of the early church was soon stifled. Christianity became a state religion under Constantine. Mission work was carried out primarily by solitary individuals. In the 4th century, Eulophus taken captive by the Goths, became a self-appointed apostle to them, translating the Bible into their language, having first written an alphabet for them. Patrick, carried as a slave of conquest from Scotland to Ireland early in the 5th century, escaped and later returned to Ireland as a missionary in response to a divine call. In the 8th century, Boniface of England labored in Germany where he baptized 100,000 converts. Missionary endeavor during the Middle Ages was limited primarily to the work of the Roman Catholic orders. Not until the 18th century were missionary societies formed by groups like the Moravians. The first Moravian missionaries to the West Indies paid a great price for their calling. 
They first walked 600 miles to reach the point where they were to board a ship. Then they worked aboard the ship to pay their passage. Upon arrival in the West Indies, they sold themselves as slaves in order to have the opportunity to preach to the natives. Thus began the romance of modern missions. The fire was further kindled by people like David Brainerd, whose brief work among the American Indians influenced Henry Martin to become a missionary to India and Persia and William Carey to India. Carey was a moving force in the life of Adoniram Judson, who labored in Burma. But all of these people had one thing in common. They were called of the Lord to serve. And I would say to each of us today, we are all called to serve the Lord. Maybe not on some foreign soil, but we are all called to serve and be witnesses of the Lord, even here in Mechanicsville. It is the divine call of humanity, as we see in Acts chapter 9. In his divine wisdom, God has chosen to use redeemed people instead of angels to preach the gospel. Although Acts chapter 1 through 12 forms the basis for the beginning of missions, the conversion of Paul as portrayed in Acts chapter 9 has particular significance. The Lord spoke to Ananias concerning Paul. Go your way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. That was not some fleeting comment. Jesus knew that in order to be the person that Paul called him to be as a missionary in the places that he was called to go, he would endure great suffering. Ananias did what many people often do who forget that God knows all matters. Ananias decided at first that Paul was not the person that God needed to use. Don't ever let anyone tell you that God can't use you. God uses those who are willing to be used. He attempted to inform the Lord of the past persecuting activity of Paul. The Lord reveals to Ananias that Paul is a chosen instrument to witness to the Gentile world. Ananias went to the house where Paul was staying, still wary of his mission. He placed his hands upon him and called him brother to identify Paul as one of the fellowship. Ananias informed Paul that the Lord Jesus, whom he met on the road, had sent him so that Paul could regain his sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul regained his sight, received baptism, and even ate something. Jesus wanted to use Paul for his glory. He wanted to bring people to a saving knowledge that comes through someone witnessing in the gospel. And so he called his servant Paul. Paul's conversion is certainly one of the most important events in the early history of Christianity. His conversion and call to preach were apparently synonymous, although they were followed by three years in Arabia. When Paul finally returned to Jerusalem, the church refused to accept him until a man named Barnabas vouched for him. When the news of the work at Antioch reached Jerusalem, the church sent Barnabas to investigate. Challenged by what he saw, Barnabas journeyed to Tarsus to enlist the aid of Paul. 
Paul, who had been called of the Lord Jesus, was rejected at first by the people who were to send him out. Although there were several preachers at Antioch, only Paul and Barnabas were called as missionaries as we read here. There is no place, now hear what I'm saying, there is no place in missions for volunteers. Missionaries must be called. They must be called. You can volunteer to serve, certainly, but you must be called to serve where God would have you serve. Only then can God bless the work. We know what happens to people who decide to go their own way and not follow the leading of the Lord. We have stories all throughout Scripture of those who ran from their call and decided that they wanted to do something else. And God did not bless their work, did He? He called them back to what His plan was for them. Missionaries must be draftees, if you will. Jesus drafted Paul into service. Jesus admonishes us to pray that the Lord will send out laborers into his harvest. And we have another story. John Mark's desertion of Paul and Barnabas may be an indication that Paul and Barnabas ran ahead of the Lord in calling him to go on the missionary journey. You know the story. John Mark got homesick. He went back home. He was not prepared. He probably had not been called because if the Lord gets a hold of you and calls you to serve, He will provide the way for you to go. If we go, the Lord will open the doors of opportunity. The first door opened, as we see in chapter 13, was to the Jews. Paul and Barnabas set out to preach the gospel to the Jews in every city, but the Jews soon began to close the doors. The next door opened was to the Gentiles. Paul continued to preach the Jews to the Jews whenever possible. From this time on, darkness began to enshroud the Jews in the synagogue. However, when one door closed... Another open. Paul saw it as the hand of God pointing out the direction to follow. When people close doors, God is always able to open a new one. Our problem is many times when God closes the door, we don't search for another open door. We turn and walk back the other way. I have found in my life if I really wanted to get in somewhere, I would find a way. I would find a way, another door, another opening, another way to get in. The Holy Spirit commissioned the appointment of Paul and Barnabas for the work to which they had been called. Nothing is said about the nature of the work. We have traditionally understood the command to mean a mission to the Gentiles. After praying and fasting, the members of the church laid their hands on Paul and Barnabas and sent them off. The laying on of hands should not be interpreted as ordination. It was the blessing of the church upon the appointment of the two men for a specific function or special task. Some years later, at Troas, Paul received in a vision God's marching orders to enter Europe via Macedonia. The church today cannot afford to be molded by the world's concept of what is relevant, but must ever seek out the yet unfolding plan of God because God does have a plan for His people. The problem is we have become dulled to hearing it. 
We have listened to those who would tell us that it's of no use, that people are turning away from the church, that no one wants to hear the message. But I would say to you, they do need to hear the message. And they do want to hear the message if the message is given by those who have been called out. At Syrian Antioch, the disciples were called Christians for the first time. There is no higher nomenclature. How fitting that the first church to send our foreign missionaries was the first church to be called Christian. No church is worthy of Christ's name until it becomes missionary. But another thing that happened in these encounters that we read of was the spiritual awareness of the church. They had an awareness of God's leadership. The missionary course of the church is gauged by the spiritual awareness of the church. The church at Antioch seems to have been particularly sensitive to the leadership of the Lord. Acts 13.2 tells us that as they ministered to the Lord, the Lord spoke to them through the Holy Spirit concerning the call of Paul and Barnabas. This church had an exalted view of Christ as head. The pattern of any church is dependent on its view of Christ. Where is Christ in our church? There was an awareness then of humanity's greatest need. The church saw people in the bond of slavery, in the darkness of ignorance, in the grip of starvation. But more important, the church saw people hopelessly lost without Christ. To this need, the church dedicated itself. The same decision faces today's churches. Poverty and ignorance are problems, but the church must expend energy foremost on spiritual rebirth, not social renewal, though the latter is also a Christian task. But the question always comes up. What shall it profit a man if you give him the whole world and allow his soul to perish? This is most haunting of all questions. How serious are we about bringing people to Christ? The significance of this event is to be understood in the full light of the purpose of God in Christ for the redemption of all people. They clearly revealed the clearly revealed will of God for the evangelization of people irrespective of race or nation and the mission given by the risen Christ to his followers to proclaim the gospel to all people. The Holy Spirit was calling and setting apart workers to initiate a new advance in the world task. In a sense, this may be said to mark the launching of the Christian world mission. The Holy Spirit, through the revelation of his will to the church in Antioch and through calling Paul and Barnabas to this work, placed the assurance of this power and the sanction of his authority on the worldwide gospel. We have a story to tell. And let not that story be crowded out by things that really do not matter. P.T. Forsyth relates missions to the cross as follows. You may always measure the value of Christ's cross by your interest in missions. The missionless church betrays that is a crossless church. And it becomes a faithless church. The average Christian concept of missions has to do with giving money to the annual missions offerings. There are two problems with this concept, one geographical and the other personal. Geographically, the misconception is that mission work has to do only with faraway places. Personally, the era is believing that you can be mission-minded without being a vital witness of the saving power of Jesus Christ in the community where you live. 
we have a responsibility first and foremost to reach the people of Mechanicsville. That's why this church is here in Mechanicsville. David Livingston was a Scottish missionary and explorer who spent 33 years in the heart of Africa. He endured much suffering as he labored to spread the gospel and open the continent to missionaries. This godly missionary once remarked, People talk of the sacrifice I have made in spending so much of my life in Africa. Can that be called a sacrifice which is simply paid back as a small part of a great debt owing to our God which we can never repay? It is emphatically no sacrifice. Say rather it is a privilege. Anxiety, sickness, suffering, or danger now and then with the foregoing of the common conveniences and charities of this life may make us pause and cause the spirit to waver and the soul to sink. But let this only be for a moment. All these are nothing when compared with the glory which shall hereafter be revealed in and for us. I never made a sacrifice. Of this we ought not to talk when we remember the great sacrifice which he made who left his father's throne on high to give himself for us. God will open the doors if we're willing to walk through. I told you that if there's a way and I want to get somewhere, I will. Uh, Several years ago, my dad and I were in Blacksburg and we decided, I decided to take him to tour the Merriman Center where the football paraphernalia and all that stuff is. And the doors are open and you can walk through and, and see various things that go on. And we kept walking and kept walking and no one stopped us. And so we kept walking. Next thing I know, we're in the middle of the Castle Coliseum floor. And my dad said, are we supposed to be here? I said, well, if we're not, somebody will tell us. You see, that's how we need to walk with the Lord. Sometimes we don't know where we're going. I'll tell you the truth, most of the time we don't. But if we keep walking in faith, he'll open the doors. How can a church exist and thrive in the midst of a great sea of ungodliness the same way as did the early church? Glover explains the church's victory. If I may invent or adapt three words, the Christian outlived the pagan, outdied him, and outfought him. The old religion crumbled and fell, beaten in thought and morals and life and death, and by and by the only name for it was paganism. The religion of the backcountry village, of the -the out-of-the-way places. Christ has conquered. Jesus said to Ananias, For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. How willing are you to hear the call? Shall we pray? Oh Lord, we are grateful for your call on our lives. Forgive us for failing to give you our all. We have a story to tell, a story to take to all the nations that can change people. May we, Father, look to you as we seek to be your servants in a world 
in need of a Savior. Help us to trust you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Our hymn of invitation is number 465, Only Trust Him. If we trust Him, He will lead us to where we need to go and equip us to do what He's called us to do. But if we don't, we'll do nothing. It's up to us. Will you stand as we sing? considering that I started a quarter till. I talked faster than normal, but um, which isn't easy to do. Um, come back tonight at 5 o'clock and hear the full mission team as they give their report. Uh, I hope you will come and be a part of that time together uh, as they lead us. You know, they just got back uh, Friday, right? Friday, yeah. And so, you know, it's still fresh in their minds. They're still really excited about being there. And uh, so I hope you'll come. They're on the same time zone we're on, right? 
So see, they didn't even have any jet lag. They have no excuse. So. <laughs> but we are grateful that they uh, went, and we look forward to hearing from them uh, tonight. Uh, let's bow for a benediction. Gracious Lord, as we leave today, we do so recognizing that we go with a mission. You have called each of us to be missionaries. And so we ask you, Father, that we might have an increased faith so that we could reach out in our community and share the gospel of Jesus Christ here so that we will have a passion, Father, to go out further and further into the world and share what you have done and continue to do. Bless us, Father, as we leave, keeping us ever mindful of your grace that has saved us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you.